Welcome to Pretend I Know Nothing About. I'm Katie White, your host, administrator of COAAA. On this episode, we are talking about Title III funds and services with the Quality Improvement Provider Relations Specialist, as well as our Fiscal Department's Management Analyst. Let's get into it. Well, welcome, Anne and Jackie. Thank you so much for being here today. Um, We are going to talk about all things Title III, but before we get going, let's start with introductions. So Jackie, tell us your name, your role, and how you came to be at COAAA. Oh, um, hello, everyone. My name is Jackie Marshanrish, and I have been here at COAAA for, in January of 2024, it will be 30 years. Wow. I know, it's hard to believe. So I started here as a case manager in the senior options program, and I did that for about four or five years, and then I transferred to provider relations. And then prior to that, I worked for the Attorney General's Office in the Crime Victims Program, and before that, I worked for um, State Representative Mike Stinziano in his um, Constituent Service Program, the elder Stinziano, not the younger one. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I did babysit the younger one, so okay. that's my claim to fame. The younger mm-hmm. Michael Stinziano is a good colleague and friend of mine, so that's why my mm-hmm. jaw dropped a little yeah. bit. Okay. And Anne, how about you? Hey, um, I'm Ann Bauman, and I'm with the Fiscal Department. I've been uh, here about 13 years. And prior to my career here, I was a marketing administrator for a safety products company. And what company was that? Uh, It was Safety Solutions. They were bought out by Granger. So I buy stuff from them now. Oh, great. I just had a conversation about Granger today. Okay. Interesting. See, this is, again, selfish. I love learning about your journeys here. So today's episode is going to be all about Title III, and we've got another episode about the Older Americans Act. We've got a different episode about the area plan. So not that we need to totally revisit those, but if you reference them in an answer, hopefully listeners should know um, what we're talking about. So um, let's just start with a general overview of Title III funding. Anne, you want to go ahead? Okay. Uh, Well, we have a four-year request for funds uh, proposal that we send out, uh, but the contracts are for one year at a time. So at the end of the year, we'll reevaluate, and um, we do have the funds allocated by county, but we can kind of shuffle around between the providers depending on who, um, you know, our area plan and who is using more funds or requesting more funds, that type of thing. Okay. And so just as a general refresher, the Title III funds are part of our Older Americans Act funds, which um, are federally mandated but flow through the state office on aging, are distributed by a formula across the state, and then we distribute those funds according to a formula across our region. And about how much uh, funding is that per year? Uh, Well, I've got it broken down here. The the congregate meals are about 400,000. Home delivered is almost two million, uh, and then we also have um, almost another million in NSIP that's added to the meal money, and then with the three B supportive services, uh, it's about one point seven uh, million. Plus, we add in um, a little bit of senior community services that we get from the state of Ohio. 
Okay, so it, it's roughly six million a year. That's how we distribute the money into each of the titles. Jackie, do you mind describing the different titles and what they're for? Oh, sure. Um, title 3C is typically home delivered meals and congregate meals. So that anything Title 3C is always meal related and it can't, it has to stay in meals. Okay. Title 3B is what they call supportive services and it can be anything from homemaking, personal care, transportation, adult daycare, home medical, I mean, lots of different services. And then there is Title Three E, which is the National Family Caregiver Program. And Title Three D is the Healthy Well and Wise, which does the evidence-based programs. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Great. So the money comes in. We distribute it across formula. We put out an RFP. People apply. So now, for the purposes of our conversation, we'll pretend the funds are into all of the service providers. Uh, bank accounts, right? So what happens next? Who goes out to visit them? Um, how do they start the services? Give us a little overview, probably Jackie on this one too. Okay. Um, it's been a long time since we've had new providers in the system. So I think that for the new providers, they're going to get information from fiscal on how to bill. And then they're going to get trained because all the information has to be entered in a program called WellSky, which is a statewide database. So they'll have to enter the client's names, their information, demographics, and services in there. So they'll have to get trained on that. Um, but once they're trained on that, then they just pretty much hit the ground running. Um we will do annual monitoring visits where we go out and we look at their policies and procedures, insurance, and we look at services build, make sure that they build accordingly and they have documentation to show that they actually provided the service. We look at personnel qualifications, all kinds of different things. But there's a lot of contact that goes on between me and the provider and I'm sure Anne and the provider during the year also because they always have questions. Okay. Yeah. So they're trained on WellSky after they um, perform a service, they put it into WellSky. And tell us more about WellSky and how that all works, Anne, and what you do with it. Okay. Well, um, most of the providers have their own login. So they uh, would log into the web-based program. And uh, if the provider isn't set up, they would have to set up a profile, or I'm sorry, if the consumer isn't set up, they'd set up a profile for the consumer. And that includes uh, various demographic uh, information that is required by ACL, um, their gender, um, you know, uh, nationality, race, all that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, also their address and phone, all of that information. And from then each month, uh, they just go in and they would enter the number of units of service that they provided each month. Okay. And then do you... Um pull out a report every month and that's their invoice or how does that, how do they get paid? Well, we give them a, an Excel template where they can fill in the number of units and send that into us. Uh, we do that because it meets the requirements that the city auditors have for invoices. But then we compare that to a report that we pull for from WellSky just to make sure that the units match. Okay. And so if um, say they are awarded $500,000, we get through half of the year and they're over or under billing. Is there a conversation that happens there? Uh, yes. If they're under billing, we want to, um, we'll contact them and make sure that 
they have a plan to spend the rest of the money or if things aren't working out like they had hoped, um, we ask them if they would like to release some of the money so that we can award it to a different provider. Okay, so if we release the money, then a provider within that same title, I assume, if it's um, meal money or if it's supportive services money, we could reach back out to someone we're already contracted with and say, hey, there's a little extra money. Could you use it to, pr- to provide more services? Correct. Okay, got it. Okay, so the general overview of how it flows, I think we've covered that. Let's talk a little bit about, as it relates to Title III, sort of your typical day or week, Jackie. What are you doing oh, related to goodness. Title III? There, Lay it on there us. There really isn't a typical day. So, for example, today I came in and I had um, an email from a Title III provider that wanted information on the background checks and what's a disqualifying offense because they hired new staff and they haven't had to do that for such a long time. So I provided them with all the rules, all the information that they needed. Um, and then I had another call, um, some conversation. I did a caregiver review the other day, and there was some question on how they were doing the billing. So I had to meet with Anne to try and iron out, like, how do we get them back on track with their billing? Because it was kind of wonky. Um, so there really isn't a typical day. Okay. Yeah. How mm-hmm. about um, a typical audit, though? If you go out, what what does that look like? Um, I usually will start with, well, obviously, they know I'm coming, and they kind of know what what's expected, because they've all been through this many times. But I usually will start with an introduction. And you know, this is what I'm going to do today. This is what I'm going to look at. And I do the easy stuff first, which is the policies and procedures and insurance, because that's so easy. And then I get into the nitty gritty of the clients that they serviced, and then the personnel. And then a lot of it is looking at their documents, but I would say an equal amount is just conversation with them on what's their process, what are they having a hard time with, what do they need help with. Um, so there's a lot of what we call technical assistance that goes on. A lot of times they have questions or like, how can I do this better? Or I'm having a hard time with the adult daycare, with staffing or activities or clients that are coming in aren't appropriate. How do other providers do it? They they get a, I get a lot of those questions, too. It's like, how can I change this? What can I do? Do you have recommendations? What do other providers do in similar situations? Okay. And since I'm the only one that monitors the, t- the Older Americans Act providers, I have all that knowledge, which is nice. That is nice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in a, in a different episode, we talked about how difficult and how much advocacy goes into getting those Older Americans Act dollars. But once they're in, mm-hmm. they're also pretty difficult to make sure that we're spending them. But it yeah. is our role to make sure not only that we're getting them into our region, but into the hands of the service providers to provide the things that our residents really mm-hmm. need. And so, Anne, how about you? A typical day or week as it relates to Title III? Well, lately we've been trying to get some of the new providers that we picked up um, into WellSky and get them familiar with it. So we've been doing a lot of assistance with that. And uh, I also uh, deal with some different login issues or reporting issues where, um, you know, maybe a provider is trying to run a report and they can't get it to come out right. Or um, I run reports to monitor the missing data points that are required and will um, contact the providers if they have um, missing data. Maybe they're missing the gender identity or something like that on a number of clients. So I'll get with them on that. Okay. 
So we really are doing a lot of technical mm -hmm. assistance. It's like I knew that, but even hearing about it, it's, you know, almost on a daily or weekly basis it's where we're making sure that people um, know what to do and how to do it and how to get paid for it. There's a lot of moving parts. There really are. Mm -hmm. So then um, each service under the Older Americans Act also has a service specification, correct? Correct. And those are federal, but then there's also a layer of Ohio Revised Code that we have to put into those service specs, correct. right? Okay. Yes. Do you mind explaining that a bit? There are certain services that the service specifications are through the Ohio Department of Aging that we follow, and the Ohio Department of Aging defines those, the requirements. Most, a lot of that is from the actual Older Americans Act. So there's a lot that we're, there's no way we can change if we don't like it. It's in the Older Americans Act, for example. Home delivered meals, there's some nutrient requirements, and that is specified in the Older Americans Act. So okay. there's no way to get around that. Okay. But there are some other service specifications that the Ohio Department of Aging defines, like homemaking and personal care that can be somewhat modified. And then there are other services that are able to be provided under the Older Americans Act that do not have set service specifications. So we can define those ourselves here at COAAA. Okay. And we did that recently yes. with? Um, fi I think financial navigator, some mental health counseling, some other services that we defined and again, that were needed in, yes. the, in the community. Yes. And again, those come from um, our area plan and conversations with case managers that work here and other service providers to say, what else are we really needing in the community? And if it's not already a defined service, okay, we'll, we'll try it out. Let's put some service specifications on it. And then any of those new ones, you're going out somewhat early in their process to yes. really touch base and make sure yes. things are going well. Yes. And I think historically we've always had the traditional services, personal care, homemaking, transportation, adult daycare. But now with the labor shortage, mm -hmm. it's nice to have other options of services to help people rather than a person laying hands on someone. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's we need both. And mm -hmm. um, we know if there's a shortage and people are waiting for caregivers, which they are, what else might we be able to do in terms Correct. of home modification or something like that? Okay. Got it. Oops. So when we think about the Title III and the Older Americans Act specifications, um, we talked in an episode about advocacy, but the Older Americans Act is up for reauthorization next year. And that's our opportunity to really say, these are some of those things in that act that we think need to change, need to be deleted, need to be modernized. So when you think about some of those service specifications, Jackie, that people have challenges with or that need to be updated, what comes to mind in terms of, you know, if you had the magic wand to update oh, the Older Americans Act? If I had the magic wand, I... And this might be a personal thing. I would take it to the meal rules okay. because they're very specific, very strict on the dietary requirements. And I think that it could be changed a little bit, loosened a little bit to allow more. More yeah, options? More options and not to be so restrictive on providers, like having to have one third of the required dietary intake. And I mean, each meal has to meet a certain dietary requirement just okay. to kind of open it up a little bit yeah yeah to be a little more realistic about things yes okay yes okay. especially with it is in franklin county the different populations that we have in the different cultures they're not i mean I, I hate the thought of somebody getting fruit or milk 
and they're just throwing it away because it's not something they're ever going to eat. Oh, and a meal provider has a hard time adjusting just for that one or those few people adjusting, well, I'm not going to give them milk. I'm going to give them something else. It's it it's it's a lot. Hmm. Yeah. Well, and particularly as our region diversifies mm-hmm. more and more, we really should be um, reactive to making a little sure more culturally aware. Yeah. Of, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Anne, if I gave you the magic wand um, to make updates to Title Three or Well Sky or the Older Americans Act, what would you do? Well, Well Sky can be really picky on some things. There's a lot of different settings and. Uh, we run into some issues trying to do the reporting and the recording of services due to those. So I spent a lot of troubleshooting time, and it would be nice to have a, a program that moved a little bit more smoothly. Yeah. And I know um, in talking with different providers and recipients of the Title Three funds, they really do appreciate all of the time and energy that you both and I'm sure many others put into it because it is a little clunky. It's a little hard, and it's like mm-hmm. there are some – barriers in place to even just being able to do what we need to do, right? Like we know the service is mm-hmm. needed. It shouldn't be so hard. I will say every provider does complain about Well Sky. Oh, really? Yes, oh. it is cumbersome. Okay. Hmm. Um, Tennessee recently updated. They are no longer using Well Sky. They're using a new system. Mm-hmm. So maybe there'll be, again, some modernization or sort of um, rebalancing how that system might work. So speaking of barriers, let's talk about challenges. So, um, Anne, what are some of your biggest challenges related to Title III? Well, I guess uh, just making sure that uh, we spend the money effectively. Okay. Um, you know, sometimes, as I said, the providers, um, maybe they're short-staffed and they can't um, provide services to as many consumers as they thought. And uh, it they don't want to necessarily give up the money because they keep hoping things will get better. Sure. But uh, we see that they're not spending it and we're kind of stuck at that point because uh, we can't overcontract the funding. But, you know, at the same time, we want to make sure that it's all used. Yeah. And what happens if funding goes unused? Um, we can, in certain cases, um, you know, reallocate a little bit. Um, hopefully there's other providers around that can use it. Sometimes we can get an extension to use it. Uh, but in other cases, we just, um, the money goes unused. It goes back to ODA okay. and it's reallocated from there. And part of the challenge in being able to reuse the money is because it's distributed by formula. We really try to make sure it's used in the same county where it should be for the same service that it should be. And so you might be in a rural county that only has one transportation provider. And if they have a provider shortage and they can't provide the units, it's nearly impossible for us to find another provider to provide transportation units in that same county. So yeah, it's it's sort of a moving target constantly, right? Yes. <laughs> and Jackie, how about you? What would your biggest challenge be? I think along with what Ann said, I think it's just the providers being able to provide the service. And I think a lot of it is the requirements are somewhat restrictive, you know, for transportation in particular, um, the driving requirements and the vehicle requirements. It's a lot mm-hmm. to do. Um, 
staffing shortages is just a huge thing across the board for providers and not having enough funding. A lot of our um, outer county providers, like the senior centers that are doing all the services, homemaking, personal care, transportation, and meals, they are so short-staffed and so underfunded that, you know, you might have the executive director is, you know, mopping the floors. Yes, we absolutely it's, have I mean, that. we have yeah. that a lot, mm-hmm. and it's just... It's sad. Yeah, where mm-hmm. we will have regional meetings and mm-hmm. they say, sorry, I can't come today. Our bus driver mm-hmm. is ill. And so I'm, yes. I'm picking people up and bringing them into the yeah. senior center. Yeah. yeah. Was it always like that or like this? Or has that changed over the last couple of decades as the need has gone up and the service providers have gone down? I feel like it's changed in the last few years. And I don't know if it's just COVID related or if maybe it started right before COVID, but it just seems it. it there's kind of a des- – I don't want to say desperation, but when you talk to some of these smaller Title III providers out in the county, you really feel for them because they're – there is a little bit of a sense of hopelessness and desperation. Okay. Yeah. And it's hard. It is Because hard. you want to help them and you want to give them more money and, and you want to make them whole and you can't. Because there's just mm-hmm. n- not enough to go around. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even the the counties that have levies, some of the other counties that do have levies, a lot of our providers get very little from the levy. So it doesn't really make them whole. So some providers that we work with are um, contracted with us to receive Older Americans Act funds. Then they might have a grant with their local levy that kind of mm-hmm. adds to all of those services. And then they maybe charge a little bit or fundraise mm-hmm. a little bit. And they're like what do they say, blending and braiding all of these different funding sources just to be able to provide these services Mm -hmm. in their county. So um, our providers are so important and so crucial and really facing some pretty big challenges. Yes. And we have a meal provider told me recently that they're getting to the point where they'll have a wait list for meals, which we never really have here. Wow. And it's because, not because they can't produce the amount of meals, but they don't have drivers to get the meals out. Interesting. Whereas some other providers Mm -hmm. have talked about how the rising food costs Mm -hmm. have really shifted the number of meals. Because if the amount of funding that you get is fixed and the meal costs go up, then of course you're going to be able to provide less meals. So yeah, Yeah, it's it's really... It's not fun out there for them. Yeah. Yeah. Is that hard for you? It is because they're they're just so nice and they're so caring and they really want they know their county. They know all the people in their county, and they really, really want to help them, and yeah. they can't. Yeah. And it's it's hard. Yeah. It's hard. It seems like it would mm-hmm. be. Um, even just sitting – you know, I'm not out there, mm-hmm. though I should go out there with you and, and do a visit. But, um, yeah, it, when you're really out there and you know their hearts are in it and they mm-hmm. want to do it and they just can't because of the money, that's mm-hmm. pretty – that's pretty rough. Um, but I will say, I think, again, we're all dedicated to making sure that to the extent possible within our control, we're making it as easy yes. and seamless as we can. And we're flexible and we're constantly having those conversations right around. Okay, you might not be able to do it here, but if you move it over here and that sort of thing. Right. So let's talk about success now that we've, you know, made each other all sad. Sorry about that. Um, (laughs) What are some of your, you know, most successful memories or favorite things about the Title III program, Anne? Uh, Well, I would say just uh, being able to come up with a solution to help make things go a little bit smoother for people. Um, Doesn't happen often, but we're always trying to come up with ways to make the reporting easier. Yeah. 
I know there's a lot of times where I pop into your office and sit in your comfy chair and I'm like, okay, and you know, what's going on? This service provider needs this or that. And we really, it's just all about sort of finding whatever option we can to make sure that people can provide the services and get the funding for those services. And yeah. Yeah. How about you, Jackie? What's your favorite or any success stories? Um, I kind of agree with Anne. I think being able, I like it when providers call and they have hard, they have an issue and they don't really know what to do and they just need an outside person to look in with a different perspective and help them figure it out. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that. And I, I think with the Title Three providers, it's a little bit different because you also have more of an opportunity, not so much lately, but more of an opportunity to go out in the community and help them. Like, mm. you know, flip pancakes at their annual pancake breakfast or, you know, scoop ice cream at their ice cream social. I mean, you get to do that kind of stuff? I have in the past. I haven't the last couple of years because of COVID and sure. it's just too busy. But those are the fun things that, that you fun. really – you can really learn a lot about a provider and how they operate. Yeah. yeah. And I would imagine that means a and lot. And it's fun. Yeah. You know. It probably means a lot to them, mm-hmm. too, for Packing us to Christmas. Show up. A few years ago, I pa- helped pack the Christmas baskets for all the Licking County Aging Program clients that they were sending out. You know, put in the ham and the green beans and the little present and the calendar. And it was – it just – Makes you feel good. Yeah. Those are the things that make you feel good. Yeah. And remind you why you're doing this. The bright mm-hmm. spots. Yes. And I would imagine a lot of our staff would be interested in some of those too. Mm-hmm. Again, as as more of these group events are coming back, um, I've heard from different staff members about like an all staff volunteer day or, you know, just being able to do some of those bright spot activities amongst the really, really difficult mm-hmm. work that we're doing day in and day out. Okay, I'm excited about this question because we've got a 30-year veteran here and a 13-year veteran here. So um, what is one thing you would change or add about COAAA? Oh, that's a hard one. Uh, Well, I really like the flexibility here. Um, So that part is good. It's not something that I would want to change, but it's something that uh, was a welcome change from where I used to work. Okay, that's good. I like that. <laughs> I will agree with that. I think the flexibility has kept a lot of people here. Okay. In terms of like work schedules? or mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think something I would change. And I don't, I don't know how to go about this because we're so large now. When mm-hmm. I first started at COAAA, there was less than 100 employees and less than 100 providers total. Wow. It's just grown so much. But I feel like you. there's people that I've worked with probably for 10 years that I, I don't even know. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yeah, that's But hard. I don't know how to how to go, how to change that. Yeah. Some of those interactions. It is hard mm-hmm. in an agency of this yes. size. I mean, mm-hmm. even when we talk about our year-end celebration, you mm-hmm. know, we can't all fit in our room, mm-hmm. our education room at the same yeah. time. Yeah, that's tricky. I think if we could, one thing I would change if we could do this, I don't know how you can, is to everybody spend a day in a different department to see what they do. Because I think no, people don't know what we all do. Yeah. And they probably think, I, I don't know what Jackie does in provider relations. She's relating with an ice cream all the yeah. time. That's uh-huh. all she's doing. Jeez. Um, <laughs> so I, I think it would be nice. And I know years, many years ago, I had a case manager that was fairly new that asked to come along to a review. And I think it was eye-opening for them to see, like, how it all fits in together. But, I mean, just even with fiscal, how does it all – I mean, we're all at one agency, and we all have a little bit of 
part of each other's division, but definitely it would be nice, I think. Yeah, we all mm-hmm. have intersecting and overlapping roles that all mm-hmm. are working toward Together. meeting our mission. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you couldn't meet the mission wholly without all of the yes. different pieces and mm-hmm. parts. I will say that's one thing I'm hoping that the podcast can do so you mm-hmm. can hear from different people. But when I first started and was shadowing people, that was huge, a huge, huge, huge learning opportunity mm-hmm. for me and just so important and things that I just consider around the home visits, mm-hmm. around all of that. So yeah, I like that idea. So a shadow mm-hmm. day for everybody. Okay. Well, what are your final thoughts that you want staff to know about Title III, Anne? Uh, just that um, it does a lot of good for the community. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really glad that we have it and that we have the flexibility that we do. Uh, it's not like passport where the rates are fixed that we can work with the providers and come up with solutions yeah and i'm so glad that you're in the role that you are we didn't even talk about all the other things that you do but your dedication and flexibility and just brilliance around making sure that we can do what we need to do to get the services is i i appreciate that a lot I don't know how she keeps it all in her head. I don't but either. I'm constantly darkening her doorways with Me too. title three questions. Yeah, <laughs> I come in, I sit right in that little yes. chair, right around mm-hmm. the corner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you always have an answer. It's yes. Pretty impressive. Always does. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Jackie, how about you? What do you want staff to know about title three? Um, that it really is a huge part of this agency. I mean, it's a it's funds a lot of services in all of our counties, and that it's. It's more, I don't want to say grassroots, but I mean, these are providers out in the county that are finding their own people to service. Mm -hmm. We're not feeding them the people. So they are really busy. Yeah. 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 And so dedicated. Very dedicated. Very, very dedicated. Yes. They might not be as sophisticated with their, you know, bookkeeping, accounting, um, computers, all of that, but they are extremely dedicated to providing service. Thank Thank you you. so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you. Hopefully now you know something about Title III funds, providers, and services.